and welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is February the 3rd, 2022. Uh, his name is Alex, my name is Frank, and we have our best buddy, Brian Duncan, joining us today. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, what's up, gentlemen? Always oh, good to see your face. It's great to see you as always, nice and bundled up in your snowy weather over there. Uh, there's a ton to talk about today. We have Brian Flores, there's bomb threats at historical black colleges and universities. Uh, there's a John Hopkins report about the lockdown. Uh, there's China and the Olympics, but I think we owe a very happy birthday to one Arya Duncan. Well, yeah, uh, man. One years old. Baby girl is one today, dude. Go That's so wild, quick, man. So you've had you've had one year experience with your daughter. So I have to ask, don't hold back. Who's your favorite? Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, we asked the hard hitting questions here. Yeah, man, right off the oh, rip. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Don't answer I, that. No, this is going no, out no, in the I public. Couldn't. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. They both serve their own purpose. Put it to you that way. <laughs> That's cool, man. How's that? How's it been a year with a daughter? Honestly, amazing, man. You know, I, I couldn't have asked for more of uh, just a sweet tempered person. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, you see so much of yourself and your kids. I know that sounds corny, but like, you know, I see so much of Hannah in her and I see so much of myself in her. And it's like, I don't know, she's perfect, dude. Like I couldn't have asked for a better baby girl for sure. Does she have the Irish temper? For sure. <laughs> she's developing her sassiness now, Yeah. you know, and like she's starting to like walk. So like she'll take one, two steps and then she's straight on her butt. <laughs> um, but it's great, man. You know, you, you try not to miss a beat, you yeah. know? So like, it's good being able to spend more time with them. Got a pretty flexible schedule. So nice. We'll see her develop. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it's, it's always great seeing your buddies yeah. have kids. Um, but it's a different beast seeing your buddy have a daughter, you know, it's just like, oh damn, dude, yeah, man. you're responsible for a girl now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Night and day. And like, and honestly, like AJ is so good with her. Like he's just like, I can tell he was going to be like that protective brother. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he's always there, like helping her up if she like falls down. Like sometimes he's pushing her down. Um, but most of the time, like he's there to like, you know, pick her up. And like, he tries to, I'm trying to get him more integrated with like teaching her what he knows because he's mm. pretty smart himself. But like, he's still in his toddler phase where like everything's his, you know? So, mm, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, not that you can choose, but like, that's the ideal way to have kids, man. I feel like have the boy first and then like within a few years or whatever, have the, then the girl comes and it's like, you know, when she's older, she'll have like that enforcer and that like, I, yeah. I don't know. That's just, that'll be nice to have for sure. Yeah, how's Walter doing? He's good, man. He's super good. Starting to uh, sleep in like them four-hour chunks, so the fog nice. is starting to lift, you know, a little bit. But there's he still has nights. A couple nights ago, he was like up the whole night. But uh, mm -hmm. it's it's starting to get easier and easier. But I mean, I've heard that like this is not even the beginning of it. Like once they're actually scooting around and moving, that's when it really gets hard. So we'll see. I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take it in, man. Yeah, I, I'm just excited when I can like interact with them in like in the way like of talking to them or like doing any kind of like a sport or anything with them. Like that's just gonna be the coolest thing ever to me, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, Brian, you've been following this Brian Flores story. Um, I mean, bits and pieces, but I haven't been super like dove in, tuned into it. It's pretty interesting this one because this guy. Brian Flores pretty much just took his NFL coaching career and used it as a torpedo, which, yep. you know, it's it's pretty wild to, to do something like that, especially if you're going up against the biggest show on earth, the NFL. Me personally, I don't know that he had the goods that would have required or that would have motivated someone to go ahead and wrap their career up in a, in a, a bomb and then 
light it off in your employer's office, but that's what he did. And yeah, I don't know, man, it's super interesting story. And you're hearing from all sides of it today, the, the owner of the Dolphins came out. The heck is that guy's name? Steven Ross? Yeah, Steven Ross. Yeah. Um, and he came out strong. He said, I take great personal ex- exception to these malicious attacks and the truth must be known. His allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory, which is interesting because I feel like in every other instance of accusations of racism, and particularly in the, in the past couple of years, it's been like a very much like, we're going to take a look inside ourselves. We're going to take an internal look at what we've done and see how we can do better. And this guy's like, no, he's full of shit and we're going to fight it tooth and nail and we're going to prove that he's full of shit. I mean, he's making big allegations, man. He threw out that the dolphin, Flores said that the owner of the dolphins offered him a hundred grand to take losses on purpose this last season just to get a better draft stock. That's a big allegation, man. There's a lot of consequences if that's real. To me, that's like the biggest thing that's come out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what's going on in Cleveland, too. You know, not to, to cut you guys off on the Hugh Jackson thing, right? So you're starting seeing these mirrored images. Hugh Jackson's the same thing. I just was watching that last night on the news. Uh, same exact tune. Now, he didn't come out and say, you know, they're paying me to tank games, right? Because that would put him in a, you know, legal position and outside of, tank, you know, taking the losses. But he did say, like, you know, they were, he was offered compensation to lose all those games. And his assistant yeah. came on the record to say, you know, okay. same thing. They were saying 100000 a game, just like you're talking about with Flores. And th- that's really all I dove into it. I didn't go too surf- you know, deep, mm. but, you know, another black coach, right? Another African-American coach. Hey, to be fair, if you're if you're Hugh Jackson, you would say something like that. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> if, you, if you won, what is it, two games in three years? I don't know. You had like the worst record any, of, of anybody. I would be like, yeah, I was, yeah, I was paid for that. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I was influenced. The, the crazy part about it now, though, too, is, is now it's going to go down that legal system because, like you said, you're standing up against an organization that, up until a couple of years ago, wouldn't even let you customize and wear your own cleats. So you're right. talking about, right. you know, things that are very big on a much bigger scale than just your namesake, so to speak. You know what I mean? You're taking things to a whole new level. Let's lay it out real quick. If if not everybody knows what we're talking about. So there's a, a coach for the Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores. He was fired after the end of this season. And then he uh, filed lawsuit against the NFL and three of the teams. And I think it was the Giants, the Dolphins, and maybe the Broncos? Yeah, I think it's the Broncos. Yeah, and he alleged racism in their hiring practices. And he basically said um, that he was humiliated in one interview um, because the New York Giants went to go interview him basically to check off a box, which is the Rooney rule, which, which says that if you're hiring a GM or a head coach, you have to um, interview at least one minority I th- I, or maybe Correct. like a percentage of minorities that need to be, but I think it's just one. I think you just need to have said that you interviewed one. So he's saying that the giants interviewed him only because he was black just to check that box off, but they already had their guy in uh, Brian DeBall. And then he figured that out through some texts with Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick had texted the wrong Brian. So he he figured out from there that he was just getting an interview because of this Rooney rule and not because he was seriously considered for the position. So, okay, right there, right there. Yeah. Is that fucked up? Like if, if an organization has their guy, like or any company like has their guy, 
And like this, this definitely happens in all kinds of places. But like, if you know, you know, we have this open position and this is who we want to fill it. Isn't it just like kind of placating to like have to interview a, like a minority or like X amount of candidates just to fill that position when like, you know who you want? Like Brian DeBall, uh, the former Buffalo Bills like offensive coordinator, he was their guy from day one. Since as soon as that that guy left, like he was their guy. I don't know. Like it's hard when you bring race into it, but like, can a company pick who they want as their guy without having to like jump through all these hoops? You would think, right? I don't want to sound like <laughs> I'm not sensitive to racism and like inequality in this country, but like to me, it kind of just seems like they had their guy, and now they just had to like go through all like the hoops of the legal system of the NFL to like get to the end goal and they got caught but like is it bad that they just knew who they wanted to hire right away yeah i mean i, I don't know that it's bad i think if your goal was to get more minority coaches in a position to coach or be a gm of, of, a, of a football team then this rooney rule is basically just a ba- i mean it was just a band-aid i think we all kind of knew that coming into it it's like okay great now you have to interview so so basically what you're doing is you're you're just saying okay you, you, you here is another roadblock that you can just go around if you don't want to like hire it doesn't solve any problem of racism if the problem of racism was there in, in exactly. the first place and and the i mean you could make the argument that there isn't any racism in the head coaching process of NFL teams, but as of right now, there is only one black head coach, which would be the only non-white head coach, I think, in the NFL. I think your Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin. Yeah, as I say, you don't have many people of color in the coaching position if you count. I think Salah uh, yeah, is a Jets maybe. coach now, right? Yeah, Robert, so, I mean he's Muslim. Or it says right now there's five minority coaches: uh, Ron Rivera, Mike Tomlin, Brian Flores, David Culler, and Robert Salah. This is from a day ago. Okay. Yeah. He also uh, filed suit against the Broncos saying that his interview with the Broncos was, again, a sham interview only because of the Rooney rule. And he was never legitimately considered uh, a candidate for the job. Um, and then they hi- they ended up hiring Vic Fangio in that case. Um, so it, it's, it sounds like this guy is just tired of being a formality. Oh, we need to hire, like, we, need to, we need to interview a black dude. Let's get Brian Flores. Call, somebody call it Brian. It's not, it sounds like he's tired of that shit. Yeah. Do you think that like his, like, so like when you talk about what he does coach, like a lot of people don't see this, right? A lot of people don't see the uh, motivational stuff. And, and I think the last time I was on here, I had mentioned Tom's name about this, right? We don't see him being that super energy guy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's not sitting there amping the team up during the game. You know what I mean? And, and, and he's very reserved, um, very modest. And I see a lot of that in Flores. Um, but you also got to take into consideration, you know, his, you know, Tua was out for, I don't even know how many games and I don't even know what they did during those games. Right. So I can't speak to, is his credibility worse because he had these setbacks or, you know, was he truly being coerced into was money talking to him? Like there's so many things that we don't see behind the scenes that it's very easy for the media to come out and say, you know, this is because of race or, you know, it's easy for them to paint the picture to the general public on something that you don't know what's said behind closed doors. You know, are these players getting involved? I mean, but I will say like, to me, this isn't a case of the media spinning it. Like he's, yeah, he's, yeah, coming, he's coming straight out. for the yeah. next. Like that's him. And I, and to his credit, like he's a good ass coach. He had the Miami Dolphins yeah, on like a seven game win streak this year. So it's like, right. he knows what the fuck he's doing. Cause that organization yeah. has not been good for a long time. I feel like if there was any any coach that got fired this year that was sort of surprised, it was Brian Flores. He'd be like, how, yeah. how could you do that? You were on the cusp 
of uh, did they make the playoffs? They were close. No, they, they were out by like one or two games. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't have been. I think they were like two and two and six or two and five. Yeah. I forget. They had a really bad yep. record to start the year. Um, and then they went on a tear. I think they won eight straight. So his and so finally his his loss against the Dolphins was um, what we mentioned earlier about offering a hundred thousand dollars to throw games away. Now, that to me is the only allegation that sounds like it could have some meat on it. That sounds like you could you could actually trace that evidence back and and you wouldn't come out publicly with that statement if you didn't have something to back it up. I don't think because it's a very specific number mm-hmm. and it's a very very serious allegation because then you imply that somebody is paying somebody else to fix a game. So you don't know what, if that is true, if that was what happened and then, and then he actually lost a game, which I don't think actually lost a game uh, for money. Then you have the, the allegations of who knew of that information, who knew that they were going to lose this game, right? That gets way deeper than just uh, draft picks. Um, plus, I don't know, man, if you, it's one thing I've never understood is if you're a coach or a player on a, on a team, particularly in football and especially in the NFL, there is, I don't think there's any amount of money that somebody could offer you that would relinquish or like quench your competitive thirst. If you're a two and eight football team, I don't give a fuck, dude. You're going out there to win on Sunday. You're not going out to, to blow a game. You don't give a God good goddamn about a draft pick at all no. because you're a football player and you want to win. And if you're a coach and you're throwing games for money, well then like you should be, yeah, you should never coach football again. That goes against everything that it means to be a competitor. So to me, not only is it like a serious allegation, but it's also incredibly offensive. Which is why I think that the owner is coming like, so instead of like doing the, we need to look inside or taking the worsari approach. Like, I think that's, he knows that if he, admits any wrongdoing at all and he could probably lose the dolphins he could probably be removed as the dolphins owner if they find out that he was paying to throw games like no no sure. question yes so it's no like i think that's why that. you're seeing such a firm response to this like fuck no you know we got receipts we're coming too so i'm interested to see how that plays out for sure who's lying right exactly obviously somebody mm-hmm. somebody's not telling the truth might be interesting to to, to see for sure while we're kind of on like affirmative action and, and rooney world what do you, how do you guys feel like, cause it kind of parallels closely to like what Biden said about the next Supreme court justice, no matter who it is, it's going to uh-huh. be a black female. Obviously they need representation on the, on the highest court in the land. I get that. So like, I see that argument, but to then to basically like take the flip side of what we're talking about now and say like any, no matter who it is, no matter how qualified they are, if they're not black and a female, like fuck off. How do you feel about that? I think that it's important to have diversity, right? In any situation that you have. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody is not simply qualified to do a job that they're put in place to do, I don't think that it should revolve directly around color. Saying that you're going to do it because that's like, I mean, you're, you're calling or whatever it is, or I don't even know what the, the, the reasoning is behind it necessarily. It's like, you know, you're, it's just a blanket to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're not really, what are this person credentials? The same thing with the coaching. Like if you're going to come at the NFL with these, you know, strong things, and then all these other people are going to come out and say, well, minorities aren't, you know, not enough minorities are in coaching this, that, and third. And it's true. I mean, you could look at numbers, but when you start talking on a political level, I mean, I think that there's a lot more at stake um, than just purely money that makes people perceive things in a different way. I don't think that it's necessarily right, 
But I think that there has to be a little bit of diversity all around. I think that people should have a fair shot if they have the credentials, they have a resume built around what they can do. And they're actually backing what they say they're going to do. Um, and you got a little guest appearance from Austin there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, like, there's obviously like no problem putting anybody you want on the Supreme Court. But like, why do you why do you have to say that? Right. Yeah, why, don't yeah. just, exactly. why don't you just do it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it. If that's who you want to it's, nominate, just fucking nominate them. Right. But to go out there and say we're exactly. only going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. It's like, well, if if anybody came out publicly and said I am only going to hire a black woman as a manager here, they they would for sure get hit with a lawsuit. Like <laughs> that's just the dumbest shit ever. Or, or vice versa too, Frank. If you're like I'm only going to hire a white person for this job, like you're going to get the book thrown at you for being racist and all the other stuff that comes with it. I don't know if they thought they were going to gain some political points by by saying that publicly, but it it's just so it's just so dumb to like make that stand you're you're not like winning but anybody over just let your actions speak for how you feel and if you think this person is qualified well then the the uh, you know the the process of, of them getting affirmed to the supreme court is going to flesh that out we will know if this person is qualified or not deal. it's a huge deal and and i don't know if you guys saw uh, this guy uh I think Alicia Shapiro, something Shapiro. I forgot his name. He's like an Indian guy. Maybe I might be mischaracterizing this guy a bunch, <laughs> but he's a, a professor at a Ivy League school. And he said something about if he, if he wanted to put the best person on the Supreme Court who checked the boxes of woman and person of color, it would be this person. And he named some person. And it sounded like she was like a Indian East a or West Asian kind of uh, uh, name. And then he said, instead, we're going to get a lesser black woman. And he got in a lot of heat for saying like yeah. they, they focus on the words lesser black woman. I mean, I think if you're like looking at it through objective lens, you could kind of like figure out like, all right, well, this guy wasn't really saying that just because she's black, she's lesser. But he's saying that yeah. he thinks that because you've constrained yourself to just this one thing, then you may not be getting the right person, the the, the actual best person for the job. Then you could turn that around and be like, well, if, if proportionately people who are not of color are at the tops of most hierarchies, then could you say, could you say honestly that we've taken a merit-based approach to everything that we've done as far as forming leadership? And so if you don't believe that's true, then you, I could see how you could easily justify saying, I'm going to choose a very specific person based on gender and on race for this selection, which ultimately goes against everything that I think we've been striving for in terms of equality. So at the end of it, if you want to do that, just do it. Just do it. Nominate yeah, this yeah. black person, nominate this black woman, say that's who you want on the Supreme Court, and that should speak for itself. I mean, how does one even go through the process of applying for that job? Like you have to have a certain amount of like cases under your belt. You don't apply, you get nominated. You get nominated by the president, right? Yeah, you get nominated. It's his cabinet, right? Like I understand that piece of it, right? So yeah, you have to be known. I just don't know why he says something like that. It's so dumb. I just don't know. Like we, yeah, like pick, pick who you think's qualified for. Like, I've never heard that kind of statements before. You know what I'm saying? Like It's because they're illegal, Brian. <laughs> it's because they're not you can't so. say them legally they're not they're not allowed <laughs> for good reason 
right. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. It paralleled to Flores in a, in a kind of a way. So I like the affirmative action world. Sure. So I, I just wasn't, I didn't know how to feel about it necessarily because it's like, I, I agree with the sentiment of it, but I don't agree with the delivery of it. Like, I think it's poor leadership. One more thing too, since you're talking about the topic of like race and stuff real quick, I listened to a guy who's very, very pro-black, right? And he's all about the black community increasing their wealth and this that and the third, right? And I've listened to him for I've listened to him for years now, and he's a mental guy, um, where he breaks things down to understand, right? So we can teach to you know people who maybe don't have the understanding of how money works, right? So he's mostly in part talking to the black community, but he talks to everybody. Anyways, mm-hmm. he talks about when you talk about equality, you know, it, it's really a sham. And the reason he brings this up is because he talks about today. He was talking about. He said your your high school dropout uh, who is white has two times more income than a college graduate of person of color, mm-hmm. Hispanic, Latino, really? and black. Oh wow! Yes, and he's he's saying by the year twenty fifty one. This is these are like reports that are out there. You can do your digging and do what you need to do on your own. But by twenty fifty one, the dollar in the black community and Hispanic community will be zero. So he's trying to change that narrative of save, have a life insurance policy, mm-hmm. do the right things, right? And this speaks kind of to that to me because it's whenever you start bringing race into the equation or color into the equation, everyone wants to look at, you know, what is this person's credentials? What's in their pocketbook? What They can't speak to somebody who's already two, three times ahead of them because of the generational gap in wealth, right? right? Because these are important conversations that people just don't have. And not to get too crazy you know, in the politics of it, but a lot of people... Um, white people specifically who have set their families up. And I'm not saying they all have, right? Of course, there's degrees here and there. But for the most part, people that have had wealth, it's been handed down. It's not like somebody had wealth and they just dissipated once they died. They had a plan for that being smart people, actionable mm-hmm. people. And other communities need to take a look at that. Chinese culture is doing what the Jewish culture is doing. And either emulate it or do something differently because the racism, the equality, all that shit's, it's, it's all nonsensical bullshit if you ask me when you start getting into the weeds of certain people aren't doing certain things to uphold, uphold that that kind of talk, right? It's just you can always be talked down on because you're constantly seeing the same thing. So how do you change the narrative? Are you saying this is this is more something that like culturally can be addressed before anything of like institutional racism can be addressed? Well, yeah, culture is big, right? Because if you look at culturally, you look at other... Uh, people of color and usually their mindset is in the shift of, okay, you have a black family, for example, right? Usually it's not, they always look at like, okay, what is this for me? Like, it's like, what can I get for myself? I got to get the bag, mm-hmm. right? Like you hear a lot of that kind of talk. Yeah. You see a lot of the culture from the influence of rap culture, you know, killing your own people, you know, constantly. And it's not like Eminem talks about his wife, his ex-wife and a strange wife and stuff. He's not talking about going to kill a bunch of white, you know what I mean? So even there, even in the, in the, the rap culture and what's painted for people is, is such a disparity of, you know, how can I do for self? Other communities and other cultures say, how can I do for my family, mm. right? It's a family attitude, you know, Mexican culture, still family oriented. Which is interesting because I think like outside of, of what you see from like a entertainment or cultural presentation of like rap or hip hop and like that, like from what I can see, a, a black family is as much or if not more about their family than any other culture, 
right? Like behind the scenes, but what's, what's shown publicly or what's, what's yeah. shown like in the media, like it's the complete opposite, yeah. which there's always conf- like, that's always been like a point of confusion for me just thinking like, well, that's weird because like known and grown up with black families my whole life. And it's like, that's not what I see. Like they love their family <laughs> and they're really about their yeah. family. And like, they try everything they can to like bolster their family. And I don't speak for everybody. No, you of know? course. I don't speak for it, but, but for the, for the general consensus, I mean, you can look at the crack here in the nineties when, most black fathers are getting locked up for things, trying to provide for their yeah, family. Exactly. Like you're talking sure. about, and then they yeah. get sucked into this thing. And the same administration that's running the country now was still apparent then and there. So it's hard not to see tendencies once you start realizing, you start digging on this stuff. And I think now, now you see more of the results of that because, like now, yes, the kids that grew up without fathers are now fathers or have had kids, but maybe they don't know how to be a father, or maybe they've got tied up in right. the system and they're arrested now. So I think, like, yes, like the idea of family is strong in all it's communities, important. but in, in, in a community where like they have been affected by a lot of different policies and stuff. I don't think that like, I think there's more single mothers in the black community than pr- there probably are as, as a whole. And this is like a generalization, but in like other cultures, other races, I, I, I think so maybe, and maybe Latino would be up there, but I think there's definitely more single black women and Latino women than there are white women in America as a result of, of like absent fathers. Yeah. And, and one more thing I'll touch on that. When you talk about money, look at the business owners, Frank, there's plenty of black people who have money. Right. But a lot of the dichotomy is, okay, you grow up to be, okay, let's say you do have a good black family that raised you right. You get through everything, you get to college. Right. Mm-hmm. And this person, you know, and this is just obviously stereotypical off the cuff. Right. You know, they go to a historically black college, right. They join, you know, an alpha or a kappa fraternity. Right. And they get a meaningless degree. Mm-hmm. They don't have the same leverage. Maybe their their parents can put them in a position to take over business. But again, that's that that cuts off at that point. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of families that take it to the next level, like you know, um, you know, a craft, for example, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to put their kids in place, their grandkids in place to be able to start ventures and have a bigger capacity of being able to generate wealth, right? A lot of the times, it gets cut off at the head because it's so much smaller in scale. Right. And because of the minority now, now you see a little bit more, you see a lot more interracial relationships, you see it being more uh, appropriate this way and that way. And I think, again, always diversity is good, but I don't see it on a scale of like this family can put this family on. There are plenty of black families that probably do, you know, so not just talking shit, but, you know, there's plenty that will only... They're just not putting other people on to the degree of I have this and I can keep it to myself or I'm getting the bag in a certain way and this is me. Right. It's like because they're they're seeing the same thing. They're seeing the same. I mean, even take it to the young women who are right. seeing the Nicki Minaj's and these people twerking and shaking and doing all these things like that's their hero. Right. right. Just like my hero was MJ growing up right now. LeBron. Right now, you're not all going to be MJ and LeBron's or Nicki Minaj's and this and that. So you got to start focusing on things that are going to get you to, you know, your purpose in life. And, you know, again, when you have politicians coming out and saying, I'm going to nominate a black woman. I mean, what's next? Okay. Next is going to be a transgender woman. Now we got to get or him or whatever, you know, like what's the next thing, you know, it's like a flavor of the week sometimes. I'm glad that you you brought that up because, you know, and that's kind of why I asked you about your thoughts on cultural issues or cultural things that, that could shift before we, we try and shift anything like institutionally or with politicians. Like you you mentioned back in the eighties, the same politicians that are there now, Joe Biden was right there in in the eighties. He's been in Washington. He's been working in Washington uh, as a politician for one fifth of the entire history of the United States. That's a fact. And if you're there that long, like all these people are, you couldn't possibly understand what it means 
to to be where yours and my family or yours and, and my family are where we where we grew up and how we started up you couldn't possibly fathom that 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 reality anymore it just doesn't exist to you so waiting on somebody or something to happen from that level i mean you might as well go to like a chinese restaurant and ask for some (laughs) pasta and meatballs it's like so stupid it's not going to happen you're you're never going to get what you're looking for from that level only because they they have no clue they're so far removed but then they feel like they have to make big, huge policy decisions to to gather this one base or one group of voters or what have you. So 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 then they make bigger issues out of things that it shouldn't be. And I, I like for me, I totally resent like any sort of narrative that you know anybody can't do anything that anybody else can do. Certainly, it's to the degree in which you can assist somebody to get there. Nobody's coming to save you. No, nobody, man. Absolutely <laughs> not. That's not happening. And, and I think that needs to be way more of the message. I'm, I'm glad that you said something about that because I think it absolutely does. Like even just that, just that thing where it's like, I'm singling out this one person, one black woman. I'm, I mean, to me, it's like, well, they, is, that, is that the only way that this person can get there because you have to purposely select them because of their because of their uh, gender and because of their race? Um, I, I think no, I, absolutely not. I think you, you should be able to present yourself on merit as, as equally as anybody else and, and let that be the, the case. If I'm that person that gets nominated, how, I, I, I feel like I couldn't feel anything but less of myself because I was chosen in that way. And if I'm sitting against with these other nine, eight other judges, I'm thinking, well, the only reason I'm here is because somebody had to specifically place my, my identity in, in something that they wanted to highlight, in my opinion, politically. And then put me on this on this panel of judges because of that, not because I'm a fantastic lawyer, you know. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm, I may, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's that's the message that I'm getting. Yeah, it you know, waters it down a little bit to a to a degree. I just don't know where that decision comes from. So yeah, obviously the president, but who's giving that message to say like, mm-hmm. we know this is a great idea, Joe. <laughs> you know, like you don't think a publicist is saying like you're going to catch heat for this, but yeah, good job. Yeah, right. Who's making that decision? <laughs> And like, it, well, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't understand it, but like, wouldn't, wouldn't it look so much better if you were like, we're nominating so-and-so she is a black woman and look at all the cool shit that she has done to get nominated for, you know, instead of coming beforehand, like, yeah, we're nominated, but it's only cause she's black and a woman. So yeah. don't, don't get too excited. Just, just while you guys were talking to, I just, this kind of interesting stat I looked up. Uh, just based off the U.S. Census Bureau, kind of talking about that single parent family lifestyle in America from 2015 to 2019. These are the numbers they found. Uh, and what this measures is the number of like this percentage I'm about to say is the number of single parent families with children under 18 as a percent of all families in America with kids under 18. Mm. Uh, and it found and this is by ethnic group. It found that in Asian families, only 20 percent have single parent families out of all the p- people with kids. White is 34%. Latino Hispanic is 42 and uh, black or African American is 66%. So it, I mean, there's about, mm. what this is saying is there's about twice as many single parent families in the black community as there are in, in the white community and three times as many as compared to the Asian community. So th- that, that definitely will have an effect on co- like culture and society as a whole, especially in the areas where there's highly concentrated single families and, and like the kids that result from that potentially. Yeah. So that, I just thought that was interesting. But that tells me too, though, Alex, is right. When you talk about race, it's literally a race. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because you can't catch up sometimes in those kind of predicaments if you're not setting the tone right off the bat with your children. If you're a single mom and sure. you got 
two, three kids and you got nobody helping you. You have no assistance. You're a single mother. You're in a shitty area, most likely. Right. And you got nothing coming to you. Right. Who's going to save you? You have to start educating yourself and being in front of people who can give you some type of motivation. Right. Because you can't catch up to that person who does have double the income. I mean, even you can even look at the, there's more statistics on all that kind of stuff. But even the, 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 the shift of wealth from a two family black family compared to a two family white family with less or more kids, it's just it's, hmm. it's staggering. Yeah. You know, you could go on and on about that stuff. So it's literally a race between races. And it's crazy to say, I mean, that I can go on. There's a whole, I mean, you could do a whole nother cast on that. Yeah, for sure. You know? mm-hmm. For sure. I, I'm not saying that like, there's no hope as a result of that, but I think like we have to be realistic with like the results of that. And like people's starting points are very, very different. Like it's, it's anyone can do anything, but it, we'd be foolish to say that like white people as a whole in America don't start way ahead of the you know most black people like that i don't think that argument couldn't be made not that they couldn't get there but the path to success is much easier just based off your skin tone alone like the stat you just said even if you're college educated you're still gonna make twice as less as someone who dropped out of college as a white person like that's fucking crazy <laughs> that's insane yeah. so i i don't know i just it's just interesting to me it is pretty wild. Yeah, by the way, uh, you know, these gentlemen didn't pay me to come on here and say any of this crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> just for the record, you know, uh, it's just like, hey, you want to be on? I'm like, sure, why not? It's $100,000 uh, per episode, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well worth it. I'll every be penny. No. <laughs> um, hey, we could, we could honestly do an entire podcast on that. We could do an entire podcast talking about COVID-19 lockdowns. And I'm not sure if you've heard of this study that's come out of John Hopkins in the past couple of days, um, but they did a big, giant meta-analysis uh, of, of the effects of lockdowns oh. in, during the first COVID-19 wave. And they come to the conclusion that they were largely ineffective uh, in reducing mortality. Um, apparently, they only reduced mortality by 0.2% uh, in the US and Europe. And they actually conclude that there was a larger cost to the public in, in terms of economic and social costs. And in conclusion, the, they said that lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument, which is hilarious and would be more hilarious um, if it wasn't something that was called for and put down upon us with the greatest of urgency insofar as that we were told that it was two weeks to slow the spread. And then we locked down for two weeks and then (sighs) another two weeks and then another two weeks. And it's been rolling along this slow, never ending death from COVID, from COVID restrictions, from COVID mandates, from COVID policies. And what's more, I think the, the biggest thing that I can take out of this study is that if you were to be shouting from the rooftops that lockdowns were an ineffective measure to to stop covid you would have been vilified in a big 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 way i think that's wrong i think it's so wrong i think that free discourse should be the standard regardless of how scared we are and that we shouldn't just blindly give ourselves up to other people thinking that they have everybody's best interest at heart i remember when this first thing started and i was at my dad's house and they had just announced that they were going to lock everything down, like everything. And I remember the first thing I thought of was the recession of 2009. 
And the reason I thought of that was because in business school, we learned in very great detail how devastating recessions are to the countries that, that, that experience them in terms of like just how many people die during recessions. It's an astounding amount of people that die just because of recessions, whether it's suicide or loss of job or, you know, what have you, just people die all like in, in large numbers. I remember thinking, fuck, if this virus doesn't kill us, well, like these lockdowns will, because we know what happens when you, when the economy just gets shot, like with the, you know, at point blank range. And I remember going to my dad's and talking with him and I, and I remember saying, I think this is a gross exaggeration of what we're supposed to be doing. And he, I remember him saying, you're going to, you're going to think differently in two weeks. And I didn't. And, and, and I still don't, even though a lot of people have died because of this disease, like that doesn't take away from that. But you know, the, the number one thing that we had to stop that, to fight this disease worldwide was lockdowns. And we now know that they did absolutely nothing and probably caused more harm. Make the old immune system weaker. Is that the idea? Sure. Is that like the main idea? Is that like, you're not just out there facing it and, and like the people that would have died, died anyway. And the people, you know, we could have got immunity or something like that quicker. Is that, is that why they're saying it's ineffective? Well, you, I'll, I'll read right from the study. Um, while this meta analysis concludes that lockdowns have had little to no public health effects, they have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they've been adopted. Gotcha. So it's not like, it's not that, that it hasn't, like it doesn't help it, the, the virus is going to virus. It's going to do what it wants, regardless of what we think we can control, right? Gotcha. Because we're still going out to supermarkets. We're still going out to do other things. We're going on walks or whatever. Um, it limited our ability to go to outdoor places. I, here in San Diego, the beaches were closed. The beaches and parks were closed. You couldn't go to the beach, you couldn't go to the park. It took away those avenues of people to go and socialize outdoors where you literally cannot transmit this virus. It doesn't transmit outdoors. So they looked at studies... Studies that looked at only shelter-in-place orders found that they reduced COVID-19 mortality uh, by 5.1%, but studies that looked at shelter-in-place orders along with other lockdown measures found that shelter-in-place orders actually increased COVID-19 mortality by 2.8%. Wow. Shelter-in-place orders may isolate an infected person at home with his or her family where he or she risks infecting family members with high viral load, causing more severe illness. But often, lockdowns have limited people's access to safe outdoor places such as beaches, parks, zoos, or, or included outdoor mass mandates or strict outdoor gathering restrictions, pushing people to meet at less safe indoor places. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. A hundred percent true. I like the term high viral load, which we've been using that a lot more during this whole thing. It would have made it a little more fun or, um, <laughs> or large amount of inoculum. I like that. One. <laughs> That's wild though, man. And there's also unintended consequences from May 2020 to April 2021, the U.S. recorded 100,306 drug overdose deaths, a 28.5% increase from the year before. Damn. Domestic violence incidents increased 8.1% after lockdown orders were issued. Fucking mental health went crazy this last year, bro. People went crazy in their houses. Super easy to too. I mean, you know, you're staring at the same four walls and yeah. you know, if you're already not an active person, your mindset's already like, ah, well, what am I going to do today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What, what can I get some DoorDash over here? What do they got <laughs> out there? You know, which, oh, by the way, that kills me. Sorry to tangent on that it's COVID topic, but you'll deliver food and you can go to restaurants. And you don't know if these people are getting tested, vaccinated, but there's just this whole thing around that, you know, like, how do I know these cooks haven't been sick with COVID and they're feeding me the food that I'm eating? And now I'm, 
I don't know. It's just a whole. That's a whole. You can't know. avoid it, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't avoid it. <laughs> just lock everyone down, and then how far do you go before the whole it taxes the whole you know GDP? You know, right. you're talking about stuff being imported here still. I mean, we can't just stop country from running. You can't, and you would you would think that that was like immediately apparent to the government. You can't shut it down, you fucks. Like, how are people going to survive? Are you kidding me? And then to continue to impose that fucking heavy-handed COVID regulations, particularly yeah. on small businesses and restaurants. It's like, dude, like it's like, that's like borderline evil because you're you're refusing to look at anything else except the worst case scenario and and assume absolutely no risk. And so why why would you do that? If if the only reason I could think of is because you know that you have a increasingly risk adverse population and that they're scared and you can grab some power while it's available. That's the only thing I can think of. Why else would you do it? it makes no sense to me. And and yeah. you could give some grace to, to to people who were acting slightly irrationally when the beginning of this happened because you didn't know what was going on. But as as you learned more things increasingly about this virus, then you had to know that one, you have no control. You cannot control it. No matter what you do, you just can't do that. You're, you're, you're it's a fool's errand. It's an uh, effort and futility. And, and secondly, when you realize how easy it is to beat this, not like, I, like you can't diminish from the, the, the bad facts, but, but overwhelming amount of people that survive this, it's like, well, come on, what are we doing? We were talking yeah. yesterday about uh, a kid who went to our high school died in 2009, the the semester after I graduated high school from the swine flu. And I was re we, we were talking about it yesterday, so I looked it up because we we're trying to find her name. In the article that I read, the doctor said that this should not alarm parents, which I thought was hilarious considering the measures that we're taking right now with children and COVID. And I don't know if very many or any children have died because of COVID. Maybe they've had COVID and maybe they have, I don't know. I'm just talking shit here, but I, I, you know, it's so definitely not a giant risk for children yet. We're acting like it is yet. Somebody in high school died of the swine flu and the doctor's response was this should not alarm parents. Thought it was a hilarious juxtaposition. 10, 12 years later, couldn't be more different. Yeah. Want to talk about some good news? Sure. You hear what, what happened over in Syria yesterday? It's not even good news actually. It, yeah. it is good news, but innocent there's people part don't. of it that's not good news. <laughs> it's a terrible yeah, story, man. Al. All right. <laughs> well, hey, okay, hold on. We killed the leader of ISIS. So he's dead. Uh, Abu Ibrahim al-Hashami al-Karashi. That's a hell of a name. So like we were raiding them, it sounds like. And um, this piece of shit detonated a bomb that killed himself, but also his wife, children, and several other people. So that mm. is terrible. But the leader of ISIS is not <laughs> dead. So that is kind of good. Yeah, that's not <laughs> consider these spirits lifted. <laughs> oh man. My I'm bad. not laughing at the situation. I'm laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll take that no, one. No, I'll take no, that, that one. No, I mean, that's good news. Like, I mean, that's a major terrorist leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, sure. and I mean, we didn't. At least it's not America. Like, we didn't bomb him and kill those kids and 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 whatnot. Like, that piece of shit did it himself. So yeah. that's at least some relief. That is terrible to hear that he killed his own yeah, kids. I didn't know that that's fucking yeah. Wow. It's pretty it's rough. Wild. Rough, it's rough way to live. Yeah. Rough way to die. You think? Wouldn't that just be so instant though? <laughs> I always wonder, like, if you died in an explosion, like, wouldn't, I feel like, would you feel anything? Like, instantly you're vaporized, right? I don't know. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think it's the concussion that kills you. The concussion? No, for real. I think it's the concussion <laughs> of the blast that kills you. Yeah, I mean, it might, really? t- it might tear like a limb body or something like that. But like, the fuck it's up. the it's the power. It's like the power of the explosion ripping through the air. Yeah, Jolt it like, knocks you dead um, immediately. Damn, dude, the pictures of this are fucking crazy. No. Have you seen them, dude? Entire third story of this building mm. gone from this bomb. This fucker was big. Shit, that's crazy. But but yeah, so not good news. We were going to raid them though, right? Like we were going in or something, weren't we? Like I only heard like that. Yeah, so he he detonated a bomb that killed himself and several other people, including his wife and children, as U.S. Special Operations Forces approached with the intention of capturing him. Uh, first responders reported 13 people were killed, including six children, four women, but no no real other names have been released other than like his family members. Hmm. What happens when these events take place in other countries? You know, we detain somebody and. You know, obviously the goal is to get information. In this case, you can't, right? What What is the point, I guess? I mean, what are they going to tell you? You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean to sound like, you know, oh, well, we should be doing that. You know, I think that, you know, it's freedom fighters and all that. But like, what's... I think the idea is like cut the head off the snake. Okay. And, but I mean, obviously there's always a, n- a new head that's going to grow back. If you kill leadership, sometimes you can kill momentum for the group. If he's like a really beloved leader, sometimes you can incentivize, like sometimes I could see how that would incentivize that though, to like, keep it going. Let's live on for him. So yeah, I don't don't know. That's a good question. To me, it would be like having the presence, knowing that they're going to be there and that every time you isolate somebody as a leader, then we are going to hunt them until they are dead. And that's, that is our position until you no longer exist. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's that, you know, it's that, that, that as above, so below, right? Because they're doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just right. in a different way. Uh, and it's just interesting. It's just funny how. It is for sure. But I mean, get somebody who says death to America. What else do you want to. Hey, I mean, what's going on with this Ukraine stuff? I mean, what's, I mean, you got, again, I didn't know this about that. Uh, when you talk about international affairs that Russia had a, well, I guess I did know it through history or whatever, but like an allegiance with Cuba. Like, you know, that's pretty scary when you think about, you know. Oh, yeah. Bay of Pigs. It's the closest yeah, we've ever yeah. gotten to an, a nuclear holocaust. Well, that's scary to yeah. me right now. Like that, like that, not even scary fearful wise, but like, you know, it's something that's important to just, I don't think people take that with a grain of salt. Like nobody's talking about these boats moving around and doing this and that. Like, it's like, okay, you, you, you take, put COVID in the back seat and now you introduce something new and it's like, okay, we could go back to kind of being outside and doing things. But uh, now, by the way, there might be World War Three, and by the way, you might not be able to see it when it happens. I mean, like, yeah, right. I don't know. There's a whole different like swing of like feeling I feel like lately. And this is like the last couple of weeks, you know, that I've felt anyways, but pretty wild. You plan on watching the Olympics at all? Uh, I'll watch probably some. Where is it? Where is it at? It's in China. Is, isn't it China? China. Yeah. I'll probably Be- watch some, you know. Beijing. Yeah. At like 3 a.m. type shit, you know. Right. Right. I don't know. Winter Olympics have always been okay. I like I like uh, hockey. I like watching yeah. hockey. Yeah. Um, curling. I like the curling, too. I'm not going to lie. The curling, dude. Dope. The curling's intense, is, man. Dude. I like that shit. It is fun. You got to be talented. You got to have a certain touch with that. But like some of the other stuff, like the competitive figure skating, some of the skiing stuff... Mm-hmm. It's harder for me to get into. I do like the snowboarding stuff, but I feel like I get, I watch, I pay attention more to summer Olympics than I do winter Olympics, even though I'm a, I'm a big hockey fan for sure. But after that, it kind of falls yeah, off to me a little sure. bit. I don't give a shit about figure skating or any of that. The guy's um, name Red, Red, uh, Red, uh, whatever. I don't know. Red no, Auerbach. Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's no, him. Red, Red Auerbach is a old he's basketball coach, I think. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about, he's a young, he's only like 20 years old or something. The snowboarder. Red. Uh, oh, really? His name's Red? From like I'm Colorado, typing red snowboarder. 
Let's see. Redmond Garrard. Jared. Jared. Redmond Garrard. Yeah, that might be it. They call him Red. Oh, what a name. Big Red. But he's a goat. He's 21 yeah. years old from Rocky River, Ohio. Yeah, he's an Ohio <laughs> boy. That, that, that's why I was trying to think. Let's I go. thought he lived in Colorado. A snowboarder from there. Rocky River? He did. Mm-hmm. From Rocky River, but he lives now in Sil- Silverhorn, yeah, Colorado. Yeah, all coming back. <laughs> there you go. You got uh, a couple medals. Never heard of he's this sick, guy. Dude, he's sick, dude. Yeah, he does. Yeah, There's, he's like the next Sean White. He's like the next Sean White, they say. You know, like, mm-hmm. we'll see. Good for so him. So I'll, I'll try to catch him, him, you know. We'll see what he's up to. There was a yeah. uh, an interesting little uh, press conference that went on a couple of days ago. There's um, 13 top-tier sponsors of the international olympic committee and five of them are u.s based sponsors uh visa airbnb procter and gamble coca-cola and intel not to mention nbc mm-hmm. who who runs the whole show and they had to go sit in front of a bunch of journalists asking asking them questions one of them asked them they go how do you feel about sponsoring the genocide olympics <laughs> damn this kind of thing went on for like two hours apparently but they were like look we don't have a role in the site selection we sponsor the committee not this not the host country or host city and um so they were all kind of like tiptoeing around it like what do you like first of all super loaded question but second of all like i don't know what stand could you make i mean realistically you could take your money out because you're not happy about where the the games are being hosted. But even the United States, all they did is said that we're not going to diplomatically support it. So we're not sending any diplomats. We're sending all of our athletes. Just we're not sending like, I don't know, minister of sports or whatever the fuck. Isn't that weird though? Because like when we're talking, like if, it, if this was like a racial thing in America, people would be pulling sponsorships, Nike, Coca-Cola, all these people would be pulling all mm-hmm. the kinds of shit, take like doing all this stuff. And then like, we're talking about genocide and they're just like, well, we sponsor the committee. Yeah, (laughs) People were just like, well, we sponsor the NFL, (laughs) Colin Kaepernick and his knees and all this stuff, but we sponsor the NFL. It's true. But yeah, even the president of France, Emmanuel Macron was like, yeah, the U S is just grandstanding. They're not doing anything. It's all just show. That's really dumb. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) "Yeah, Good for you, man. It's true. Like, Like we're not doing anything. We're just talking, just spicy rhetoric, I guess. It's yeah. it's I don't know it's all pretty ridiculous. Yeah, they, they should. I mean, if you if you really wanted to take a stand, you should. You absolutely should. You and definitely could. could. Yeah. You know, dude. If all five you of those could. companies at NBC said "fuck y'all," we're out of here. That's yeah, a stand. They, like that's that's an actual. I'm statement. curious if I mean, if they do anything like on the broadcast, if they say anything about it. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Because they they just know. ran NBC ran over the weekend. They ran a really really tough piece on China, like crazy tough, and. I'm thinking like, oh shit, like they're broadcasting these Olympics in seven days and they just ran a crazy, crazy piece about just all the American or all the Chinese spies in America and and just how malicious they are with stealing our content and our information and all that. Uh, They had the FBI FBI director. This guy said that he opens up a new, I'm going to look this up because it was a really, it was really a really big statement. And, but he was talking about all the different, um, cases he opens up against China as the as the FBI director. And it was a lot. It was like, I think he said one every 12 hours he opens up. Christopher Ray is the FBI director. And when he became the director in 2017, he said, this one blew me away. And I'm not the kind of guy that uses words like blow me away easily. He said the FBI is opening a new China related counterintelligence investigation on average every 12 hours with 2000 such cases currently underway. 
Yeah, that's, there is no country that presents a broader, more severe threat to our innovation, our ideas, and our economic security than China does. That's the director of the FBI. Dude, if China and Russia ever wanted to like get together and fuck us, they could do so. Who's so to say easily. they haven't already? Yeah, exactly. True. Very true. But I'm saying like in a war fashion, if like there was World War Three, I doubt that. I so doubt that. easily. No. You don't think so? You think we would uh, take if, down if, both if of them? it was just like a strict military conflict and we just went toe-to-toe with our allies, yeah, we'd beat the shit out of them. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, because we have most we'd like, fuck all them of up. Europe, but... Absolutely. I mean, with nukes, though, it's hard Here's to say why. what would happen, though, bro. It's who, who nukes first? I don't know that there's one country more fortified than the United States, a homeland, that could that could deter or fight off any sort of invasion. And secondly, mm-hmm. um, I mean, without it getting to a nuclear war, I, I think by far and away, we, we have the, the better uh, warriors and the better technology. But I, I don't think that it would be without heavy cost, obviously, but it could be done. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. If we had to mobilize, it's game over. So I'm saying, dude, nobody wants to wake that beast. Listen, I talk a lot of shit about how fucked up we are and how complacent we are and how, how much our government and our leadership sucks. But you mobilize us in a way that we haven't been mobilized in a while, we'll fuck somebody up. I have absolutely no reservations yeah. about that. Thinking those Russian mountains. Hope we never Thinking those it. Russian mountains. You think it was on their turf. That's a crazy environment, man. Oh my God. Bro, yeah, like fucked up, man. You, Sign just, me up. I'm not going to say we're soft, but you know, our, there's not many more left of the hardcore, you know, war, warheads. Right. Here. That's what I mean. And then you have China and Russia and those people are like, Bread to hate yeah, America and to like there, state first. <laughs> yeah. Polar bears and shit, Frank. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I'm not saying they'll wipe us. No, I don't get it. Don't get it. I mean, I'm, a, I'm patriotism through and through, <laughs> but you know, yeah. I'm not going over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? How about this? How about this? Do you think it'd be a better, not that wars are good, but would it be a better war as far as like well matched? As, instead of like World War Two with us against like the Nazi Party, you think it would take like be a longer war, take longer, you know, more casualties, or do you think nothing would kind of compare to World War Two? I don't know, dude. I mean, with the guns that we have and shit today, oh, yeah. like people would get destroyed, man. But like, obviously, if they nuke, like it's just game over. If you're yeah. talking like hand to hand, like there's a lot more strategy involved. When it's nuked, dude, these they're just pressing buttons at that point, you know? Yeah. Just pressing buttons and, you know, can anything really reach us? I mean, they were talking about North Korea launched two missiles in the last, like, two, three weeks or something. I was reading about that, you know, and they were saying one could get to the California coast, I think they were saying. Or maybe, I don't even remember how the difference was. It was didn't really seem right to me, but I did look a little bit deeper into it. And I was like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, I can't foresee that being something that can make it all the way across. Like, it's a pretty vast ocean <laughs> you know the pacific's pretty vast you know and the map doesn't do it justice the globe doesn't do it justice right. as far sure but i mean we might not even see it coming yeah, that'd be that the scary, be scary thing man like there's tons yeah. there's tons of shit that they can counteract any kind of radar any kind of thing that we're doing wasn't that tesla's whole thing like tesla like didn't he like create like the war machine or something or the whatever and like it's gone like nobody can find it it's like you know whatever oh uh, I, I believe it man that dude yeah all tons of his records just disappeared from his apartment after he died mm-hmm. so who knows all his patents and but that's shit. what who that's knows? what was supposed to be is supposed to be like a warfare weapon or whatever and it's gone oh it's called like the that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody might have it. <laughs> Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here, Franklin? No, I'm good. Duncan, have you got a chance to try Gun Barrel Coffee yet? No, dude. No, dude. Can you? You got to send me the cup still, right? 
The cup's in the mail today. As of now, I'll send you tracking. I got to go on there. and Hopefully I got to go on there. Course. Course. I have not tried it, man. I have not tried it. Well, let me give you the pitch one more time. See if pitch, I can tell yeah. you, okay? Drinking a good, smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself, Brian Duncan. But when you can do that and help American heroes, it's that much better. Our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, is proud to donate $1 from every item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our country. They offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean ground or single-serve pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10, and you'll save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. That's promo code FNH10. Gun Barrel Coffee, damn good coffee, damn good cause. Go and buy it now. You're gonna have to do better than me. Nice. I'm not. I'm not sold. <laughs> You're not well, they, sold. They got Damn the CBD it. too. You were talking about last time. They do. Yeah, CBD infused. They got. Dude, they got a hot sauce. Yeah, uh, that's try. super really good. It's like a habanero hot sauce. Foxwood, man, they're they're good people. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta keep supporting too, man. That's why I said I gotta throw Hannah's on, dude. We'll make sure we yes. get you guys some some pictures, some pushing, some promotion. You know, keep this stuff going. People need to hear your guys' message for sure. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, and like you're saying. For the listeners, he's showing off his Friendship News Hour merch. Yes. Go copy yourself some. Yes. I had my brother ask me today what um, outlet you're on as well. Maybe that'll help the people. What are you guys on? All of them. All of them. <laughs> Everything. We're on all of them. You know where we're not, where where we need to get back on is YouTube. YouTube. I was just going to yeah. say. Yeah. 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 YouTube. Yeah. And Pornhub for sure. Surprisingly, we're on there too. <laughs> <laughs> It's the podcast, just we're naked the whole time. People are about to be looking that <laughs> shit up. <laughs> yeah, it's the, we should do that, dude. Podcast, but just naked and from the waist down, and it's just a live stream of our junk the whole time. People would watch People that. People would watch that. You know, and then you you hit them with the live on TikTok. Dude. You put the little live camera next to, them. you know, what I'm saying get your halo light and all that. That's a good so, idea, yeah, actually. That's a, great idea. that's a good idea to go live during TikTok while we record. Actually, that's a great That's idea Brian. yeah yeah you guys hit him with a little bit of sauce you know what i mean give him a little taste man yeah frank we got to talk about that that's because that's doable we just got to figure out a way we can share a stream and go live on friendship because be people fuck with do. with mm -hmm. tiktok live all right well yeah we'll wrap it up there man I, I i appreciate you coming on especially on short notice we always love having you absolutely thank you guys if you want to hit us up you can find us on twitter at friendship nh you can find us on instagram and tiktok at friendship news hour and you can send us an email bummerdude.media at gmail.com bummerdude.media at gmail.com and we'll see you next time happy black history month it's black future oh yeah that's right that's right that's right that's right <laughs> down to two drops down to two wait we got down to two and don't forget big crit thank you Alex. it's true baby <laughs> yeah baby digital roses don't die coming soon <laughs> yes sir